Amen, amen. It's good to share God's word with you this morning. If you would, open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Uh, we are going to finish our time in the book of Galatians uh, this morning. If you're joining with us on campus and you do not have a copy of God's Word, I would encourage you to look underneath the seat that you're sitting in or underneath the seat in front of you. There should be a blue Bible there. I would encourage you to take that Bible, open up to page 1078. Uh, 1078, that's where we'll be this morning. As you're uh, opening up uh, your Bible, I would just want to say a huge thank you to all the ladies who were able to participate in the ladies' event uh, yesterday uh, and for all those who helped uh, volunteer and support uh, that ministry. What an amazing blessing uh, to see all the ladies gathered and just be fed God's word, uh, to fellowship together, to share uh, just life together and how important that is. also want to say a word of appreciation to all those who have been supporting and did support uh, the Low Country Walk for Life uh, this past Saturday uh, as we uh, just partner, an amazing partnership with the Low Country Pregnancy Center and just uh, reminding uh, our community of the hope that we have in the gospel, uh, that Christ meets us where we are and uh, life matters, uh, not just the beginning of life, uh, but also as we age. And so I'm so thankful to be a part of that ministry as well. Uh, before we uh, spend time in God's word this morning, let us uh, open up in prayer and ask the Lord to bless uh, his word in our hearts and our minds. Uh, Lord, we come to you this morning just uh, very grateful uh, for the living word of God. Uh, Lord, I pray that as we open up scripture, not just on Sunday mornings, but each and every day, uh, we see it as it is, uh, the inerrant word of God. Lord, that we see uh, the personality of man put in there, but most importantly, we see uh, the spirit of God at, at work uh, in, in the lives of many uh, to know that you will meet us where we are, uh, to know that the word of God is uh, everything that you wanted to communicate to us, not only in the person of Jesus Christ, uh, but Lord, also uh, in written form so that we can 2,000 years later uh, study it together. Uh, Lord, we thank you for uh, the provision of your word, the power of your word. Uh, Lord, let us never lose uh, confidence in your word, uh, as Paul has reminded us in Romans 1, that it is the power of God, the word of God, that brings salvation first to the Jew and also to the Greek. And for that, uh, we say thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, anytime we get to the uh, end of a study, in particular uh, a long book study like we've been doing in the book of Galatians, in fact, uh, this is uh, our 24th message, uh, so we probably started somewhere in February or March, and, and many of y'all have uh, been a part of that uh, since uh, day one, and so for that, I, I thank you. I thank you for just... Uh, uh, not just a word of encouragement, because at the end of the day, uh, you know, we're here to glorify the Lord. But it is, uh, it is awesome to hear how God's word has been impacting your life personally. And to hear those testimonies uh, is, is quite remarkable. It's a reminder to us that God's word is so, so important uh, to the life of the church. Uh, but it's also, uh, I always, I was telling my wife this morning, like anytime we get to the end of a study, uh, there's a song from, it's probably not the best song, but a song that pops in my head, Boys to Men, right? It's, so hard to say goodbye to yesterday, but, you know, the beauty of God's word is we're not saying goodbye. We're just continuing to build and build, and, and God's word is consistent all the way through, but I hope that as we have uh, really just unpacked verse by verse the book of Galatians, it has been a tremendous reminder to you of the beauty of God's amazing grace. And so here we are. Uh, the Apostle Paul is going to land that plane, right? We're going to finish uh, what we started uh, many, many months ago, and the Apostle Paul, uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, closes with this in verses 11 through 18. So we'll read it together, and then we'll begin to unpack it. Uh, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. 
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Amen. So the very central part of this passage is found in the very beginning of verse 14. The scripture says in the first part of verse 14, But far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything about the book of Galatians, in fact, everything in scripture is pointing to the centrality of the cross of Jesus Christ. The very fact that it's at the cross that the wrath of God is satisfied. And not just the wrath of God being satisfied, it is the cross of Christ where we, we, by grace through faith, have the ability to be accepted before God, right? To be justified fully and forever. So the centrality of the cross is so, so important. And for you and I, as followers of Christ, the cross makes perfect sense, right? We understand the importance of the cross. We understand that the the, the dependency that we have in Christ's finished work on the cross. But to the world, to those who are outside of the faith, it makes no sense, right? And the Apostle Paul understands this. In fact, when he's writing to the church in Corinth, he says this in 1 Corinthians 1.18. He says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is what? It is the power of God. And he goes on to say in verse 23 of the same chapter, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, and folly to Gentiles. The question is, why is it folly? Why is it foolish, and why is it a stumbling block? We see a cross behind me. We see a cross on the wall. Some of us have a cross around our neck. Some of us have a cross tattooed somewhere on our body. We see the cross as something that is magnificent and glorious, and rightly so. But we go back to first century Christianity, and we think about the cross. The cross is where criminals were killed. That stake was not a stake of glory. It was a stake of humility and shame and guilt and condemnation. And so, of course, to the first century hearer of what Paul is saying about boasting in the cross. Why in the world would I boast in that? And yet 2,000 years later, that is the very thing, the very thing that we should be boasting in, the cross of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the cross robs us of each and every opportunity of thinking we have something to contribute to what God has already done. That's why it's a stumbling block. And that's why it's foolish, because in us, There's this thought of we have to contribute to what Christ has already done. And yet, our boast, our boast is in the cross. Paul says it like this in verse 31 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. The word boast means to rejoice in, to glory in, to live for we only have two options. That's it. You boast in yourself, or you boast in the Lord. That's it. That, that is the conflict of the heart. Even as Christians today, every day we wake up and we live in the conflict of, am I going to boast in myself, or am I going to boast in the Lord? And for Paul, the, the centrality of his being as a follower of Christ is what? It is the cross. He says in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, the very next chapter, for I have decided to know nothing among you except what? Jesus Christ and him crucified. So Paul is not saying that the most important thing in my life is the cross. That's not what he's saying. He's saying something far greater than that. The only thing in my life is what? The cross of Jesus Christ. He amps it up a little bit more. And that's why when we get to Galatians chapter 6, when he says this in verse 11, see what? See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It makes sense. 
Now, it's, it's important to understand that we don't know exactly what Paul is referring to here. It's possible that, that, that a secretary was writing the words that Paul had spoken. That happened. We even see that in Scripture, especially with the Apostle Paul. And so it's at this point in, in Galatians 6, as he's landing that plane, uh, that he takes the pen and he says, I got to make sure that I am, I am finishing this off with my own handwriting. So it's possible that he's doing that. And, and some would say that the reason why he's writing in large letters is because of one of the ailments that he had of primarily probably through malaria was poor eyesight. And so all of us that wear contacts or glasses, I, myself, I understand why you would write really large, right? Or it could be that the, the large writing is what we would call all caps. Like I want to make sure that we drive home what is most important to the churches specifically in Galatia. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to hammer home what is central about the cross, everything pointing back to the cross of Jesus Christ. And, and the reminders that the cross brings to us today, first, the cross reminds me that I no longer have to live under the weight of others, the weight of others. And that's really been part of the, the conflict in the church there in Galatia, is the, the weight that the false teachers were putting on the believers there. The false teachers who communicated what? That it's not just Jesus alone. It's Jesus plus works. And Paul has been just hammering at home that Jesus paid it all. Everything wrapped up in the finished work of Christ. Nothing can be taken away and absolutely nothing can be added. He says in verse 12 through 13, he says, It is those, those false teachers, those who have that knack for human achievement, who want to make a good showing in the flesh, who would force you to be circumcised only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. That is the, the false teacher's motto. Jesus plus something else. And that is the key because it's not a denial of Christ. That's what makes it difficult. It's Jesus isn't sufficient. Right? We've been saying that over and over again. Why? Because that's exactly what the book of Galatians has been saying over and over and over again. And that is an enormous weight. When we live as Christ followers under the weight of the expectations of others that somehow it has to be Jesus plus something else, we carry the weight. And Paul says, why live your life trying to seek the approval of man, right? And Paul had already addressed this in Galatians 1.10. He says this, he says, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now, that verse is very important because we will look at this verse and usually we'll have this idea that either A, I'm trying to secure approval from man or I'm trying to secure approval from God, right? Those are my options. No. We are not trying to secure the approval of God. So stop trying. Why? Because in Christ, we already have the approval, right? And Paul, out of the gates in Galatians chapter 1, as he writes this masterful, level, masterful letter through the Holy Spirit's working in his life, stop trying. In Christ, you already have the approval. And yet we live in life with a weight of expectation and demands of others thinking that if we do these things, then we will be more right with God, right? Listen, you are justified by faith in Christ alone. That is it. And, and notice... The characteristics of where the weight is coming from, these, these individuals, the, the religious crowd, if you will, the, as Jesus would explain it, the hypocrites, right? Think about their motives, right? Their motive isn't for you to be set free in Christ. No, their motive is to do what? To cause burden. Why? Because it says that they're boasting in themselves, not Christ, right? They're about outward behavior, not inward transformation. There's a, huge, there's a gospel difference between outward conformity and behavior and inward change that the gospel and only the gospel can do. And all of that is to what? They're people pleasers. They want, the scripture says they want to avoid persecution, right? 
They want to be people pleasers wherever they go. And most importantly, the very standards that they set for you and for me, they're not themselves living up to, right? Jesus addresses this. Remember the, 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 the way that he explains to, to the hypocrite. He says in Matthew 23, verse 4, he says, They tie up high, heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their own finger. Listen. The religious hypocrite, not outright denying Jesus, but heaping burden after burden after burden after burden, Jesus plus something else, and yet they're not even following their own theology, Right? They're not doing it themselves. And what the gospel reminds us is, because of the cross of Jesus Christ, that it's Jesus plus nothing. I, Jesus says, I am not inviting you to a relationship and a fellowship that's about burden. I'm inviting you to a relationship and a fellowship that is about rest. Right? He says in Matthew 11, dealing with the same religious hypocrites, right? He says this in verse 28 through 30. He says, come to me. This is Jesus inviting the masses, all who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, the yoke of the gospel teaching of Christ, right? And learn from me, for I am what? I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so Jesus invites to everyone who is exhausted under the weight of others to come to him. And why? Because there you will find rest. It is a reminder to us that justification only comes through faith in him, not by works. Paul said this in Galatians 2.16, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Now, it's a reminder, the issue isn't the law. The law is good, the law is spiritual, the law comes from God. The issue is our sin, right? And as James has told us, that if you fail at one point, at any point, both in action and motive, According to God's standards, you're guilty of all of it, right? And yet, when our lives aren't central on the cross, when we are buying into the false teaching that it has to be Jesus plus something else, we're robbing God the glory that he's due instead of just saying, yes, Lord, I trust in the finished work of Christ. And the way that I'm right with God is by faith in the finished work of him. The very fact that the law still demands perfection, God has not changed it, right? He still demands perfection. But praise be to God, Someone has stood in our place, right? Remember what Paul said in Galatians 3.13. He says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by be becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Yeah, listen, we're condemned. We're guilty apart from Christ. But in Christ, who took our condemnation? Who took our guilt? Jesus Christ himself. So when you look at Romans 8, verse 1, therefore in Christ there is what? There is no more condemnation in Christ Jesus, right? That's the only way. And yet the false teachers are trying to put you back into guilt and condemnation. And yet Christ says, I have given you freedom. I have given you rest. So what does this look like in real life, right? So every time you encounter someone that says you're, you're never going to be good enough, right? I'm telling you, this is, this is the weight that's, that we grow up in as young kids. And if we're not careful, that is the same weight we bring into our relationship with the Lord. So every time you hear that you're not good enough. Every time you hear that you need to be doing more, every time you get that checklist of behaviors thinking that that is what's going to make you more right with God, every time you hear God can never love you, that, that is the, the weight of the expectations of others. And we carry it. Some of us carrying it right now. Some of it because of things that happened or things that were said 50 years ago. And yet Christ has said, 
I have set you free. So when you face the weight of other people, when it comes to being right with God and remaining right with God, the cross of Christ reminds us that it is finished. Now, this doesn't rob us of the expectations in life, right? Some people think that, that God has freed me from the moral calling that God has put on my life. That is not true. Listen, the moral law of God still remains, right? But it's only fulfilled in Christ. The very power that you need and the power that I need to live rightly before God and rightly uh, and before man doesn't come from me. It comes from him. And at the end of the day, the only way that I can rightly live the way God has called me and equipped me to live is to truly be reminded of who I am in him. And the question is, how is it that God is pleased with me, right? It's by one word, faith. Faith. The author of Hebrews says it like this in Hebrews 11. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So at the end of the day, your, your approval before God is not because of your, your ability to get an attaboy from those around you, right? Your approval before God comes from the finished work of Jesus Christ, his one and only son. Now the question is, was it enough? How do I know that Jesus' work is enough? Because right? at the end of the day, that's the struggle. Remember the testimony that God the Father had for his son after his baptism in Matthew 3, 17. Scripture says, And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son, who I am well pleased. And because the Father delights in the son, and because you and I stand complete in Christ, he is pleased with us today. That is gospel truth. And so the cross reminds us that we no longer have to live under the weight of others, right? So ask yourself this question right now. How am I allowing the weight of others to impact my fellowship with the Lord? That, that, that is a, an examination question that has to be asked every single day. If it be at work, in your home, where you go to school, where it, when you look in the mirror, where's the weight? Are you resting in Christ today, the finished work of Christ? Do you truly believe that you stand complete in him? Not by works, but by faith and the Son of God. So not only does the cross remind me that I no longer have to live under the weight of others, the cross reminds me that I no longer have to live under the weight of self. Self. Paul shifts uh, in his language. He talked about, in verses uh, 12 and 13, he talked about uh, the them language, these false teachers, but he, he shifts it in verse four, 14 and 15. It's, it's very much more personal. He says, but far be it from me, so the personal pronouns here, to boast except in Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ, for which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but what? A new creation. Paul says what? Far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is saying, God forbid, let it never be said of me that I'm boasting in anything else but the finished work of Christ on the cross. The cross reminds us to celebrate in what Christ has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. Our focus is on him and him alone. Because of the finished work of Christ, today you stand as what? As a new creation. You're not version 1.1. You're a new creation altogether. The software has been wiped clean and has been redownloaded, right? You're new in Christ. Galatians 2.20 and 21, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. There's no longer I who live, but, who, but Christ who lives me. The very life of Christ now lives in me today, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. So my life that I live today is dependent on him in every way, right? I can't do it without him, right? He goes on to say, who loved me and gave himself for me. You want assurance? That, that's the assurance. He gave himself for me and he loves me. Therefore, I do not nullify the grace of God for it is the righteousness were through the law that Christ died for no 
purpose. The very fact that we are new creations in Christ reminds us that we no longer have to live under the weight of what we bring to the table. It's not about performance. It's not about achievement. And why does this matter? Because everything in your life, apart from the gospel, communicates what? you got to have a better resume. I mean, it's everywhere. This is the weight that we experience. This is the very weight that Paul experienced himself. Paul tells us his personal testimony of the weight that he carried. And the weight sounds pretty awesome on the surface, right? Listen to Paul's own testimony of himself, Philippians 3. He says, if anyone else thinks he has reason uh, for confidence in the flesh, he says, what? I have more. So he's, he's talking trash, right? I mean, this is the guy on the basketball court that you're just like, man, I can't beat him, right? What's the trash talk that he has? Well, he talked about family heritage and social status. He says, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, of Hebrew, of Hebrew. I mean, this is the, this is the neighborhood that you want to live in, right? You know, we drive through certain neighborhoods and we think they got it all together until we realize what's really happening in the home, right? He also talks about biblical knowledge as a law, as to the law of Pharisee, as to religious activity, he says, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to a moral lifestyle, as to righteousness, he says, under the law, what? Blameless. He's the greatest of all time, right? He has to be the greatest. And, but think about the weight. Again, on, these things are not bad things. Family heritage, social status, religious activity, moral behavior, increasing in biblical knowledge, those aren't wrong. Those aren't bad. But when they are priority and number one and where you get your life from, they become very, very bad idols, full of weight, full of weight. Why? Because Paul recognizes what you and I recognize, that no matter how good we do, it's never enough, right? It's never, ever enough. And yet Paul lived with a tremendous weight of trying to prove himself to God until, until Jesus met him face to face on the road to Damascus. And the invitation was given. And Paul received Christ as his Savior. But it's not just one time, right? I'm not saying you get saved every day. But you go back to the very thing that saved you in the first place. You go back to the grace of the gospel. That in Christ, I rest in him. And Paul says, when that, when that weight was removed, in verse 7, he says, but whatever gain I had, the weight that I was trying to bear in my life, all those good things, thinking that that was going to give me approval and satisfaction and love and significance and pleasure and all those things, whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ, meaning there was something greater than those things. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, dong, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on what? Faith. The very things that once weighed him down, he had been set free from. Some of us are being weighed down because we have a pretty good family upbringing. And our life isn't matching that. Some of us are weighed down because we think that in order to be successful and to, to make a name for ourselves, we've got to have a certain degree from a certain place and have a certain job and a certain amount of kids and live in a certain place and have a certain car and all these different things. Paul says in light of the cross, all of that is rubbish. Why? Because we're new creations. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Listen, in Christ you have a new set of clothes, right? You have a new identity in him. You are clothed in Christ. And that's why in Galatians 6, 14, when, when Paul says, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world, what is he communicating? He's saying that this world has absolutely nothing for me, right? I no longer have to live under the weight of self. That's what this world is all about. It's about you. But the gospel reminds us it's not about you. It's about him. The reality is that the more we focus on Christ and what he has accomplished, the less we'll focus on the world and what we 
can't accomplish. When the cross becomes everything to us, the world begins to lose its hold on us. Paul realized that all the world's pleasures and treasures, honors and distinctions, at the end of the day, meant nothing. As the scripture says, what good is it to gain the whole world and in the end, have nothing? And that, that, that's the tension that we face as Christians. We, we want to gain the whole world. And in the end, we lose everything. Paul says, listen, don't bear the weight of self. That's the reminder of the cross. Christ has given us everything we need in him. And this means that every single day, we need a renewal of the mind. Why? Because though the, the world has been crucified to us and I to the world, it's still there, right? Every day you wake up, the lure of the world is still there. So every day you have to remind yourselves of the truth of the gospel. That's why I love Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is what? Your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So every day it's a renewal of the mind. Why? Because every day that God gives me breath, I have two options. I can honor him or I can try to glorify myself, right? And every day we're faced with that temptation. And that's what the world is, I mean, you look at social media, you look at sport, you look at anything that the world is producing today. It's not about the Lord, it's about what? It is about you. And so we need a renewal of the mind every day that Christ's work on the cross is sufficient for me. Therefore, I no longer have to bear the burden of self trying to one-up the person next to me. And that leads us to our third uh, reminder. The cross reminds us that I can enjoy his blessings. His blessings. Verse 16, uh, Paul says this, And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Paul says that we, we can enjoy the blessings of Christ. If we, if we do what? If we walk by a particular rule, right? The, the idea of their rule is a military term, like in line with something. And what are we aligning our life with? We're aligning our life with the gospel, right? As we live our lives in line with the gospel, we get to experience the very blessings of Christ in us. And notice that the blessings of Christ aren't just for a select group of Christians, right? It is for all those who have professed and confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord. He, he talks about two different groups, really, in verse 16. He says uh, that, that peace and mercy be upon who? Upon them. But then it also says, and upon the Israel of God. What is Paul communicating there? Again, remember the, the church there, the churches there in Galatia. They, they had uh, Gentile, Christian, Gentile believers uh, coming to faith, right? Gentiles coming to faith. But they also had uh, those who had been practicing Judaism for, the, for forever coming to faith in Christ. And so now you have these two groups of people, right? And what Paul does, he's been communicating all throughout, is that we are one in Christ, right? And so to the, to the Jew and to the Gentile, those who have professed faith in Christ, guess what? You are a recipient of these particular blessings. You can experiencing, experience the blessings of Christ. Remember, we're one in Christ. Galatians 3, 28 and 29. Therefore, or there is no, uh, neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's uh, offspring, heirs according to what? A promise. A promise. A promise that is given to us by faith. We receive the promise of justification. And some of the blessings of being justified before the Lord is that we receive peace and mercy. I don't know about you, but I love to experience the peace and mercy of God. When I think about peace, I think about being satisfied. That the peace that God gives me is every day, no matter what, I'm satisfied in Him. I don't have to look anywhere else. And you... When you're satisfied in Christ, 
And you think about your earthly relationships, you don't have to go outside God's design for whatever that relationship should look like, right? You're satisfied. Why? Because your satisfaction is in him, not someone else. When you think about your work environment, regardless of how chaos it is, and no matter all the things that you know that, that you struggle with in your workplace and the things that are just way out of your skill set, all those different things, man, when you are satisfied in the Lord, knowing that he gives you strength, the thing about mercy for just a minute, to know that every day I stand forgiven in him, right? The psalmist says something powerful in, in Psalm 130. He says, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could what? Who could stand? If God put your iniquities before you every day, you, you have nothing to stand on, right? But I love verse 4. But with you there is what? There is forgiveness that you may be feared. You see the conflicted heart that wavers in between the weight of others and the weight of self? Have I done enough? Is set to rest, knowing that we stand forgiven. We are completely satisfied in him, completely forgiven to him, all past, present, and future sins forgiven at the cross. And those mercies, they renew every day, right? Every day. Lamentations 3, 22 and 24. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It never runs out. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. In other words, God gives me exactly what I need every day. And great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. That is, he is my all-sufficient one. Says my soul, therefore, I will what? I will hope in him. To every follower of Christ, God's disposition towards you has not changed. His devotion to you has not changed. His delight in you has not changed. His love for you has not changed. His pursuit for you has not changed. God is so gracious that he will give us a new dose of him every single day. To know that he will never abandon us. To know that in Christ, he is pleased with us. But this cross-centered life is not always easy. He says in verse 17, For now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. I find it interesting that the very thing that the false teachers were trying to avoid, persecution, is the very thing that Paul was enduring, persecution. It it talks about him bearing the marks of Christ. Uh, The idea of bearing the marks is is the the Greek word, the Greek phrase there is talking like a branding, if you will. So people would be branded as a slave or branded as something else. And and, and Paul says, I've been branded as a Christ follower. I I bear the marks of Christ. And in many ways, Paul suffered greatly for the cause of Christ. We know at this point in his uh, missionary journeys, remember the the first uh, missionary journey to the province of Galatia? That's why we have the book of Galatians now. Uh, in Acts 14, 19, it tells us that, that Paul was almost stoned to death, right? So you can imagine what those marks look like. We know when we read uh, places like 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it, the scripture says that Paul received lashes, he was beaten with rods, he was shipwrecked, he was in danger from robbers, danger from his own people, he experienced hardships, sleepless nights, hunger and thirst and anxiety, all those things, right? So he, he bared the marks of Christ, but, but the word bear there is the same word that is used when Jesus bared the cross up to the hill, Right? But it's also the same word that is used when Jesus says that as a disciple of Christ, guess what? We're going to have to bear our cross as well. Jesus says in Luke 14, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You follow Christ long enough, guess what? You're going to begin to bear the scars, the marks of Christ. Every time you choose to deny yourself, to deny boasting in yourself and boasting in the cross, guess what? There is a mark. There is a scar. It may not always be physical, Right? But it is a reminder of tremendous humility that there is one greater than me. And sometimes the greatest mark that we can have as a Christ follower is to swallow our pride and live 
and the humility that Christ has for us. So we're not boasting in self. But the question is, is it worth it? Is it worth it? From Paul's perspective, always worth it. Bearing the marks of Christ in no way robs you of joy. It, in fact, increases your joy. At the end of Paul's testimony in Philippians 3, he says this in verse 10. He says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. The blessings of becoming like Christ. That in all those marks that we bear as a Christ follower, every single one of us is given, every single one of them has given us an opportunity to see God's work in and through us. To be reminded that even in the tough times, the power of Christ is magnified. The, the presence of Christ is magnified. So much so that Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4 says that we are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. The blessing of peace and mercy. And then Paul closes with this in verse 18. He says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, or be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. What words of encouragement. He lands the book of Galatians in verse 18, reminding us to cherish the grace that is found in the gospel. Let it penetrate your most inmost being, the very depths of your soul. Let the grace of God swim freely. Let the grace of God be your ultimate provision in life. And never forget that for eternity, we will be the recipients of God's grace. He will never stop giving to us. And we owe it all to what? The cross of Jesus Christ. That, that is Paul's heart for the church. That is my heart for us as a, as a body of believers, that we rest in the grace that God has given to us. It's the very heart that John expo- expresses to the church that he was pastoring over. In 3 John chapter, uh, verse 4, it says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So this morning, two questions. For those who have never received Christ as your Savior, will you turn to him today? Will you turn to him today? To know that you no longer have to bear the weight of others, bear the weight of yourself, but you can receive the blessing of mercy and peace from the Lord. And for those of us who are followers of Christ, will you return to him today? Return to him today. Because you and I have an opportunity every day to either live free in Christ or to bear the weight of others or self. And Christ says you don't have to do that anymore. Will you turn your focus on Christ this morning? Maybe this morning as God's word has been spoken, that there's a place of conviction in your life. Where maybe for you, I mean, I see this in myself as a father, like not communicating the grace that is found in the gospel, but creating weight in my kid's life. We, we can do it so easily, right? And so there's a place of confession, a place of repentance, and a place of renewed trust there. Maybe for you, you're recognizing, maybe for the first time, you know, for 20 years, I've been carrying this weight. I mean, I've been doing religious things. I pray, I study my Bible. But when I look in the mirror, it's I haven't done enough. Listen, let the book of Galatians remind you that your approval and your pleasure from the Lord doesn't come from you. It comes ultimately from Jesus Christ, his son. You stand complete in him. And when you know that you stand complete in him, you will run free in gospel obedience every day. When you deal with hard situations, hard relationships, you're not going to go in it with what's in it for me. You're going to go in it with... How can I show love to my God and love to my people? Why? Because it's no longer about you. It's about Him. So whatever your decision is today,